here, folks. Once again, I am Ted King. I am your host, and welcome to King of the Ride podcast. I'm really excited about today's show. I get to sit down with someone who just might be a person who travels more than I do. I get some time with Stephen Hyde, our two-time U.S. National Cyclocross champion. Stephen is a fascinating character in the sport. He is a lot of fun to catch up with, to keep track of on his globe-trotting adventures. So congratulations to the recently engaged Stephen Hyde. Definitely stay tuned for that conversation. Jeez, I feel like it's been ages. I suppose I suppose we're only one week post Tour de France, one week since our last party. It's August here in the Northeast. It's been a scorching summer with humidity pinging right up alongside the temperature in the upper double digits, threatening triple digits now and again. Now, Laura and I have made the concerted effort to, to be staying closer to home with this move east rather than bouncing all over the country, as is typically the case. So lots of Northeastern events in our recent rearview mirror and coming right up on the horizon. For example, Vermont 3 is a three-day mountain bike race that takes a page out of the big ones all across North America, like Breck Epic or BC Bike Race. That's coming up this weekend. Uh, The Cannondale North American Sales Meeting, that is always a hoot. That's taking place just down the road next week. D2R2, not R2D2, is around the corner in central Massachusetts. That is a big old gravel ride that already lives in national gravel lore. With the original gravel crusaders out and about tearing it up, we're looking forward to that one. We have Vermont Overland. We have the Rasputitsa Redemption Ride. Man, oh man, there is still plenty going on this summer as it's hardly half over. In the recent past, of course, we got to catch up with PMC founder and director, Mr. Billy Starr. They just ran their 39th annual Pan Mass Challenge this past weekend, already having raised $40 million for the staggering figure $52 million, which is their goal for the year, $12 million shy of the goal with plenty of time to to reach that milestone. Be sure to scroll back in our archives and check out that conversation. I was also lucky enough to to catch an evening at the park in the not-too-distant past. Here we are. In Vermont, we have the Vermont Lake Monsters. Now, this is single-A baseball, folks. This is everything that's right about summer. You get to hang out in the park. You get to eat hot dogs. You get to to chat with the players. You get to toss balls back and forth with the players. Now, to pay homage to Vermont's most delicious asset, the team changed their name on this particular evening to the Vermont Maple Kings. They changed the logo. They got new hats. They they The entire evening was maple-based. My partner at Untapped, his son... Six-year-old son was lucky to toss out the first pitch. Charlie is a total hitter. It was awesome to to be on the field for that. I was able to wander around the infield as this is all going on. I got to rub elbows with some political dignitaries like Congressman Peter Welch. He was both floored and confused as someone who has spent time in the Bay Area, why we had moved from beautiful California to beautiful Vermont. Good conversation with Peter. Plenty of other folks in the Maple Trade and Maple Commissioner. Man, oh man, that was an awesome evening. Now on to the professional side of the sport. We get to see Tour of Utah kicking into high gear now that it's August. Now this race holds a special place in my heart. It was gaining prominence in my my time racing on the domestic scene. Then in 2008, my final year in America, I flew directly from Utah to Switzerland to sign with the Cervelo test team. It was also the last major milestone of my racing career in 2015. Now, you may recall, we had an already shortened roster to begin with. The Pro Tour teams were bringing six riders, and then we had a last-minute curious non-starter. 
So we go into the race with five people. We went into it with an incredibly young team. We had Alex Howes, Ruben Zapuntki, Ben King, Joe Dombrowski, and stagiaire Jasper Bovenhaus. We went on to win that race with Joe Dombrowski. It was it was fun. It was a good throwback racing. It was it was like we were racing in our in our early categorized days. It was we had nothing to lose. We threw it all out there and came up spades. That was a top notch way to end my career. Man, I look back on those days fondly. And now if you bring it up to the present 2018 edition, these boys are in for a rude bike race. It is going to be a doozy. Now, I'll remind you that this race went head-to-head for a long time with Colorado as something of an arms race who could create a tougher parkour, tougher race, Utah versus Colorado. On one hand, I feel like in the early days, it was thought that Utah was training for Colorado. Maybe folks thought that Colorado had a longer or deeper cycling history, cycling legacy. They had bigger Palmares. Maybe they have bigger mountains there in the in the Rockies as opposed to the Wasatch. Maybe better acclimatization in Utah for Colorado. Not the case. These races went head-to-head. Who could create a tougher, more challenging race? These races went into the stratosphere with difficulty with only one week separating the two. So you really couldn't peak at one and still make it to the other. It was it was definitely going easy for Utah if you want to have a good Colorado or skip Utah entirely. Utah is incredibly hard. So bring it to the present. The smoke that is plaguing the country is rumored to be abating. Temperatures are not. Temperatures pinging up into the triple digits, 100 plus. Yesterday's prologue was a BMC show with TJ Van Gardering coming off the tour in incredible form. BMC going one, two, and three. Everyone who's supposed to be at the front is still in contention in the top 10, top 15, just separated by a handful of seconds. Stage one today, somewhat unassuming Cat 2 climbs, but remember they're up at 11,000 feet. No oxygen up there. Stage two, we're going to start with an abrupt climb, finishing up a long, brutal slog up snow basin. Stage three, this is a five-mile time trial up Big Cottonwood Canyon, starting at 7,300 feet. That is going to be five miles of misery. A couple sprint stages ensue. Stage five, that is a very Tour de France, stage 17-esque, just 60 miles of racing with two burly climbs on the parkours. And then a final stage six. A noteworthy day. They go back into Park City. That is a a quintessential stage to the race, and this is a doozy week of racing. Good luck, boys, in Utah. I predict TJ will continue to have a great race. Michael Woods. Woodsy. He has been back deep into training after a terrific spring where he, he showed some excellent form of the Giro. He's had, of course, a quiet June and July. I think we're going to see him flying the colors of EF Drapic at the front of affairs with a plume Two underdogs we should keep our eyes on, Nielsen Palace. He's going to have a terrific week, already slotting in, I think, fourth yesterday. He put in an awesome showing in the prologue. He's a climbing prodigy. He wants to show his team what's up. Similarly, Jack Haig, the Aussie from Mitchelton Scott, if his Utah is anything like his Giro, he's going to be a dark horse and produce an awesome result. I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I pity any sprinters at this race. Good luck, boys, in Utah. Now into the meat and potatoes of the show. I rushed back to my fair state where we were out traveling in order to catch up with our U.S. national cyclocross champion two times over, Stephen Hyde. The Eastern Grind mountain bike race was taking place up in Catamount, up in northern Vermont. That was a great reason for me to get back on my on my off-road bike. I straddled the old mountain bike. I got into some cross-country mountain bike action 
In fact, amid the conversation with Stephen, I accidentally missed my podium in order to get the conversation locked and loaded. Stephen was, of course, getting ready for his short track mountain bike race taking place a few eh, minutes later, maybe an hour or so later. I've been really impressed by Stephen's approach to the sport. You can tell that he's both incredibly serious and remarkably relaxed. He is a curious student of the sport, but also incredibly worldly. He's a thoughty racer. And he backs it all up with Braun and a few national championships to his name. Now, I should also point out our venue for this event is the side of a van, the sliding door in a very comfortable van. So in the foreground was a kid's pump track course where please pardon a few yelps and derivations from our conversation as we're watching these kids huck it or take their strider bikes on uh, uh, Hill and Dale. We were highly entertained by the action in front of us. Everyone walked away tear-free, even though there were a few tumbles. Highly entertaining. Two final clerical notes. I mentioned my good friend Fareed Nori, also a conversation we've had here on the podcast. Please check that one out. He is an aspiring 2020 Olympian, not 2022, as I misspoke. And lastly, as always, please send your questions, your comments, your recommendations, anything my way at at... I am Ted King. One word on social media. Please suggest King of the Ride podcast to anyone you may think is interested in the show. And please rest assured that I am very gracious for your podcast reviews, be it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you are right now. In fact, wherever you are right now, those reviews make a difference. So leave, leave a comment, leave a review right now. Folks, I thank you very much for listening. And now on to our conversation with Stephen Hyde. gentlemen beautiful day in the neighborhood we're in catamount in will we're at catamount in wilson vermont for day two of something and i'm gonna let the actual introduction be done by none other than stephen hyde because i don't even know what we're at stephen hyde welcome to the show what are we at oh man well right now you know just to paint the scene Mm -hmm. we're in our van uh we have sam on the camera, we have these beautiful uh, flowers all around us. There's mm-hmm. a lot of evergreens, blue sky with some like puffy clouds. We've got some fencing in front of us, a couple of Cannondale bicycles. So we're at the Pro XCT uh, at Catamount. It's the the Julebo Eastern Grind. Um, day two. Day two. Today's the Pro Short Track. Yesterday was the Cross Country. Nice. And you just did the cross country. I just did <laughs> like the a standard cross country. <laughs> exactly. There's a 20 minute race that you are doing in about an hour and a half. So we're actually going to be something on a time clock. You, I did the hour and, and if I was super fast, I would have done it in about an hour and a half, but I decided to do it closer to an hour 40, but rumor is I'm on the podium. So that's kind of exciting. Hmm. Um, how'd it go yesterday? It went okay. It went okay. Uh, yeah, it went okay. Uh, I felt great. I actually, I took all that last week off because I was at uh, Mountain Bike Nationals nice. in uh, Snowshoe uh-huh. and I was fourth there, which was my best, you know, I've done two Mountain Bike Nationals. The year before was uh, eighth and this year was fourth. So big step up there. And then this week, uh, we had some pretty good guys here. Um, no doubt. Some of the Canadians came down and uh, some of the contenders 
from nationals were here. Um, Rafael Gagne was second at nationals and was really in, on the way to winning mountain bike nationals in, in, uh, Canada, uh, Canada, <laughs> Canada, <laughs> Canada eh? yeah. so, you know, he flatted in. So he's, he's on good form. He's getting ready for, for Mount St. Anne and, um, some of the other kids that came down from Canada were too. So nice. yeah, I felt good. But on that last lap, I think I just ran out of food. I think I ran out of uh, breakfast. I didn't eat enough breakfast. It's a, yeah. these pro mountain bike races are really funny times. I like to wake up, eat my breakfast three hours later, go for a training ride or go race my bike. And so you're racing about like some three, three thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like what I did up. today, I raced at noon. So I like woke up and literally ate breakfast at 10 AM. That's, that's weird. Yeah. Not a fan. <laughs> they didn't ask me about that. Um, so, hey, so when would you like to eat breakfast? Yeah. We'll, we'll go. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll do start times. Hopefully, there's a post race <laughs> survey where I can tell them what I might want to eat my breakfast. So, okay, we are in. It's late July. If I'm not mistaken, according to your social media, of which I'm a stalker, mm. you said, "Is this your last mountain bike race of the season?" This is my last mountain bike race of the season. So you're going full bore after mountain bikes. You started the season with a win. Yeah. Which is pretty freaking badass. Fourth in nationals, which is freaking badass. Obviously, yeah, you want to take the win. Yeah, you want to be on the podium. But shoot, the rate of uh, ascension up the, up the ranks is pretty freaking awesome. So on the whole, how do you rate your mountain bike season? Uh, I would say it's a eight out of 10. Uh, that's a solid B. Yeah. It's a solid B. It's like a B plus. I think it's good. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think preparation was pretty good. Uh, I'm really happy with the team. I'm really happy that we were able to take the mountain or the cyclocross program and just keep everything rolling. Uh -huh. I think that was my biggest goal with this was just like make it a year round team and, and stop, uh, you know, selling ourselves out during the summer. Sure. And, um, I think it's a, it's a big step and I hope that we can move forward with it and start bringing in some of the other cyclocross riders, uh, as a year round program. So do you race under the title of Canada cyclocross world? Yep. Yep. On the mountain bike Yeah. and cyclocross bike. Super cool. Um, yeah. virtually all the, the same first time sponsors? I've ever been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the same sponsors, uh, short of the tire sponsor, which is, is Vittoria instead of challenge. Cause Challenge only makes uh, tubulars, and they've been fantastic with us. But yeah, you look really goofy racing <laughs> one-inch tires on this very yeah. sweet scalpel. Yeah. Um. So is this a trend you're going to continue for the foreseeable future? Um. The cyclocross segueing to mountain bike, and in the past, I mean, you've dabbled in in road racing and crit racing too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I didn't race at the level that you did on road, but I was on Estella's for a couple of years. I was on Silence. If you want to ruin your top end fitness, go to the Pro Tour. But <laughs> go on. Yeah, tell that to Steve Bar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, fair. Yeah, he's an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, or uh, or Vanderpool are now. I got questions about both of those guys. Three. Coming up. <laughs> Three, uh, three consecutive national championship holding Dutch yeah. rider. <laughs> well, Van Art, he's pretty terrible on the road. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So well, yeah, mountain bike cross. Yeah. So yeah, I want to continue to do the off-road stuff. It, more than anything, I'm a lot happier doing this. I really enjoyed racing road. I really got a lot out of it. I loved my teammates. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I didn't love the domestic U.S. racing scene. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit toxic and it wasn't really my thing. Um, <laughs> like, like toxic, I mean like negative racing, way I, too much teamwork, a little too much <laughs> tactics, not enough brawn. 
No, I think a lot of it was just from like the from the the team side of it. I was just really tired of the like, hey guys, this is gonna be the best job ever, and we have six million dollars, and we're gonna do this. We actually don't have any money. Do you guys like tacos? They gave us tacos. Yeah. Also, we're not gonna race bikes. Okay. <laughs> no, we're gonna race bikes again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just couldn't really do that, and it seemed like every team was doing that, and it's just not that much fun. It's really not. I'm with you. The very honest about the this. <laughs> domestic road scene is. Uh, I call it in a state of flux and I don't know if it's going to resolve itself in the next three years or five years or 25 years. Um, yeah, I don't know either. It's got to change a lot. I mean, you know, back at, uh, what was it? Sort of late. Oh my gosh. Somebody just did a jump on the, sorry. We're also looking at the uh, oh, pump track post, kid. of which there's more talent in these eight year olds than I have on a mountain bike. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Yada, yada, yada. We'll segue on to the next thing, which is, here's the question. So you're, you're two time U S national cyclocross champion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are racing at a very elite level at these professional mountain bike races. I got into cycling on the mountain bike and it's been 15 years removed from when I was doing it. And I feel like the races I was doing, you know, they were pro races. I wasn't doing the UCI pro races, but they were Two hours, two and a half hours, sometimes three hours. So mm -hmm. they weren't quite marathon, but they're not as acute as they are right now, sure. which is like hour and a half of yep. full freaking gas. Yeah. Very similar to cyclocross, cyclocross, which is a very acute one hour, flat out. How do you differentiate the well, two? Hour and then it's at the World Cups. So it's really, really? It's, a, it's a 15 minute difference. Oh my gosh. But the differentiation between the efforts is pretty unreal. I mean, like the training that I do for cyclocross versus uh, mountain bikes are significantly different. Huh. Um, the effort is significantly different. You really wouldn't think that except for, you know, instead of doing uh, an 8 to 12 minute lap, we're doing a 15 to 20 minute lap mm -hmm. th with a climb and not necessarily a punch, right? So like any of those efforts, I mean, if we look at power file on a, a cyclocross race, we're like 12 seconds full gas and then into a turn or something like that. Whereas here we might be on the gas for a quarter of a lap. Um, or up a climb for three or four minutes. Ah, and that's a that's a very large difference. Heck yeah. Um, even the starts. I mean, the starts are in a cyclocross race. You know, are are again like ten to fifteen seconds, twenty seconds at the longest. Like something like Zolder. Uh huh. But then you go into a corner, and you're off the pedals for ten or eight seconds, and yeah. then you're in another corner, and then you're just you're doing these short like three second accelerations or five second accelerations. Whereas here, like you got guys fighting and they're passing each other and they're doing all this. And cause everybody wants to be in the trail first. It's all single file. We're not going to group up. We're not going to do any of that stuff. So that the efforts are so much longer and so much more sustained that I actually have a very hard time with it. It's very difficult. The first part of these races is the most difficult time for me. So I heard everything you just said and absorbed everything you just said. Which one do you find more argy bargy? cross Ooh. or here where you're like fighting tooth and nail to get first into a single track section the only time i find it rg bargy is when you mix uh euros into the mix honestly like with the u.s riders like it's very sorry is that mountain or cross either once okay. you get your bars in front of somebody they usually give up in the u.s yeah that's it it's just like a dominating it's thing. like you're it you're it go yeah. for it oh, man, well done. Man, look at you you did it look at it you just got there man that's cool whereas like any of the euros even the canadians like you just get like Oh, I'm in front of you now. That means I'm it. And all of a sudden you're like being pushed over and you're like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, this is, <laughs> you know. Fascinating. Yeah. It's okay. interesting. And then in about, like Which I'm said, cool with. I just, you know, you're just not used to it. You forget sure. about it. Sure. 
in a short while, you're going to be doing a 20 minute short tracks, uh, cross country. Yeah. How did, have you been doing a lot of those this season? Yeah, I've done That's a couple of them. 20 minutes. That yeah. sounds like the worst thing ever. Full gas, 20 minutes. Yeah, they end up being about 25 minutes. So the laps, I think, are usually around like a minute and a half to a minute lap. Uh, I think these are about a minute and a half lap. Okay. Um, so it's like 20 laps plus three or something like that. Are they more or less technical than any standard cross-country course? Yeah, they're usually less technical. They're so there's no A-line? Like, no oh man, maybe yeah. I will jump back. It's in a there. lot of grass. It's a lot of like, yeah, it's literally, it's going to be this gravel road section up through here. I don't know if they're putting the flyover in or not. And then instead of climbing up, we just go straight and then you hit that little single track section. Uh, that's like curvy and then it pops out and that's it. There's a set of roots. So it's actually, it's a very untechnical course. Man. And a lot of the sparks fly on this, this big, uh, kind of grassy uphill thing. All right. I got an hour and 12 minutes to decide whether I'm doing this. You got this. What are you drinking there? Oh, right. I'm drinking an IPA. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> it's a recovery IPA yeah. for my good folks at <laughs> Bissell Brothers up in Maine. Okay. I believe in you. Um, we've talked in the past as a result of being... Uh-oh. Man down. Oh, Kid just hit any it. Any tears? No, none. Oh. Look at that. Recovery. <laughs> Love it. This is awesome. Catamount is such a great... <sighs> it's such a great facility. This is our second podcast here. The first one was Fareed Nori, uh, who raced yesterday for the first time under the banner of Afghanistan. He is trying to become the 2022 Olympian. Ooh. Middlebury student reached out to me a while ago to be like, hey, man, I want to get into this mountain bike thing and, and uplift my the good folks in Afghanistan. He's doing some That's great awesome. work. He started Mountain Bike Afghanistan. He's got all sorts of things up his sleeve. I, I think I read an article on him. Was he on like outside or something like that? Um, people for Bikes have done an interview with him. Maybe it was um, People for Bikes. Of course, he got great acclaim out of doing a King of the Ride podcast, so that might have been it. Oh, yeah, that's probably it, actually. Yeah. I probably saw that on some like CNN banner. Exactly. So um, you and I have talked in the past doing untapped conversations. In one of those, you mentioned that sometimes when you're overseas, you indulge in a $50 guitar and you, you broaden your horizons by, you know, there's plenty of downtime when you're over in Europe, jamming out on the guitar, learning guitar, playing guitar. Are you still doing that? How's yeah. your How's your musical skills? Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, it hasn't really advanced much. I started playing when I was like 13 or something. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's advanced a whole lot. Uh -huh. but I do enjoy it. It does. It is. It's nice that it's like tactile, but it's not... Uh, exhaustive sure right. so it's it's some way for me to kind of uh use my brain and and connect that to my hands and turn off a little bit of my body for a while and just kind of let my you know get to that flow state sure without having to do it on a bike i'm with you yeah well especially when you're overseas you're going not in peak vacation season we'll call it um, there's Unless you're really into rain. Uh, well, man, who doesn't like a good bit of northern Belgium rain? <laughs> um, plenty of downtime. Yeah. Plenty of time to let your mind wander. And I don't know, just really get negative. So, yeah, it's a great way to do things that don't purely involve staring at the computer screen. Yeah, um, and that, that's it, right? Like, you go over there and you're just like, all right, I'm going to do all these things. I packed, like, 50 books and I'm going to, like, learn, I don't know, to draw or something. And mm -hmm. you get over there and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, my Lord. Binge watching <laughs> is my new 
everything. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So it's really nice to be able to just like turn that off and to do something constructive. Mm-hmm. I do a lot more like I do a lot of yoga when I'm there. Um, I do more running when I'm there for, for various reasons for cyclocross and because mm-hmm. um, what else am I going to do? Um, I, <laughs> I'm bored. I'm going to go for yeah. a job. <laughs> I read, I get into more cookbooks over there. There are nice. some at the USC Cycling House that, you know, there's like the Grand Tour cookbook and stuff like that. And so, you know, just, um, yeah, and all the limb books. Um, sure. Feed zone, the table, whatever. Um, so, yeah, you just get into that. So, if you start like all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, no, I actually have time for this. Uh huh. So, I should do it. But it's pretty incredible how difficult it is. When you have very little time, how motivated you are to do something that like is definitely going to take up time that you need for other things. And you're like, oh man, I really don't have time to cook dinner, but I'm definitely going to do it for three hours. Yeah. But then when you have like (laughs) 16 hours in the day where you're like, what am I going to do today? I'm definitely not going to do that thing that's going to take an hour. Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) There's something very unmotivating about have time to kill. (laughs) It is amazing the hierarchy of needs um, as they relate to your time priorities, I don't know, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's a it's a strange bit, this whole American overseas. American living in Paris, yeah. so to speak. Um Yeah. Okay. So so based on those conversations that we've had in the past with Untap, based on literally this conversation, talking mm. about the ways in which you occupy time, you strike me as a more cerebral cyclist than most. And mm. You know, by that I mean you're not purely a robot. You're not purely going out to do your intervals in order to come back and lay in bed for the next 18 hours before the next, you know, bout of training. That so nice, though. Say it again. It does sound nice, though. Yeah, yeah. There is something funny about being a really good lazy cyclist or being rewarded for being a really good lazy cyclist. Anyway, mm. so, you know, we've talked about monitoring your sleep in the past. Yeah. Um, how recovery, how you really have to maximize each of these elements of training. You talk about getting out of the house, avoid getting caught up in these monastic tendencies. You mm-hmm. read a lot. So the question ultimately is, have you always been something of a thinker? Have you always been something, you know, a questioner, uh, 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 a little bit more cerebral than the rest? Or, you know, walk me through your... Yeah, I think so. I, I have also like, I, you know, when I was younger, I was never much of an academic. I think um, I, during school, like it just wasn't my thing. Like no part of school was my thing. I wanted, God, I just wanted to be outside and I wanted to be on my bike. I wanted to run. I wanted to do all these things. And like, I was just in this area that, that wasn't, that just wasn't available. Like it it wasn't, I had to make all that stuff happen. And then everything was so focused on like school where it was just like, well, you know, you'll have time to go run if you get all this schoolwork done instead of them being like, oh, you know what? Maybe if we just let this kid go run for like three hours in the morning, he'd be fine all day. Uh, you know, instead you're labeled like, um, you know, LD with these learning disabilities. And I just had to be like kind of separate from other students at times. And like, it was, it just wasn't like a place I wanted to be in. And so I, I wanted to go ride my bike. I found BMX. I found this like world of bikes. And I was just like, no, I like this much better. And it made me think and it made me uh, explore and discover and develop on my own. And I started to notice that the more I rode and the more physically active I was, the more interested in other things I was. Whereas 
the more someone forced me to do something, the yeah. more I literally just wanted to go ride my bike. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so it really wasn't like until I had an outlet for my energy that I got into music and I started, you know, not just playing it, but listening to it and getting into that. And then um, I wasn't like an avid reader until I was tired enough to do it. And I wasn't into, you know, learning really. I was just like, I, I don't care. I don't care about school. I didn't want to be there. Didn't do any of it. Never wanted to go to college. And now that I have all of this outlet, I'm like, oh man, I just want like, <laughs> like how to books. And now I just like read, if I want to do something, I just read about it and I, I teach myself how to do it. Or I find someone whom can mentor me. Mm -hmm. And I really, really enjoy that. I really enjoy being self-taught. I really enjoy chasing the passions that I have. Um, and it's opened a lot in my world, like a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. There's something funny about, you know, the force fed nature of school as a kid. Um, I mean, I get there are certain elements that are certainly important, like freeing up a parent's day throughout the day and, yeah. and sure education is a highly valuable thing, but yeah, the, the force fed nature of it, the mandatory nature of it, the, the lack of being able to think outside the lines, yeah. um, it's curious, for lack of a better word. It um, is. It, and when I was in when I was in younger grades, I uh, I was always a little bit behind um, academically. I was always a little bit behind on the reading and, and comprehension and all these things and, and mathematics. I still am. I still haven't found an interest in that. Um, I was a math major. Were you really? I was. Well, I was a math major right up to the time that my GPA was slipping precipitously and then I was like uh, I'm going to do econ because it's actually quite easier <laughs> and I, I want to pass college without failing anyway <laughs> go on well like in, I'm in, decent at math in earlier stages um, oh I'm a I'm a whiz on a calculator um, <laughs> <laughs> I carry one in my pocket all the time uh, you know I always had these problems so then like my mom was like well you know what like I'll homeschool you and we'll do something. So I took third grade, I think it was, and, and we, we homeschooled. And, you know, every day it was like we woke up and she was running a landscaping business. So we went, we potted plants, we did all these things, and yard work, and we made this garden, we'd go on field trips. And then all of a sudden, just like all of my, like all those points improved. And yeah. it was like I went back to school and then I was ahead of the class on that. No kidding. And it was just a really interesting time. And I, I didn't understand it then, but I do, I can look back at it now and be like, oh yeah. Literally just walking out in the yard was the best thing for my brain at the time. Yeah. Oh, man, there's all sorts of studies to that degree that are like, well, instead of booting your kid out into the freezing cold, especially here in New England, yeah. at 6.50 in the morning in order to make this really unmotivated kid go to school and then not, you know, absorb the things that they're learning, do exactly yeah. what you're saying. Right. Wake up, run. My favorite thing we did in fourth grade, we had this... We had a teacher whose husband worked uh, at Nike, and so we were awarded, there was a running competition. And so you go okay. to school and you literally run for 15 minutes before school started every day. And that was motivating and it was fun. Yeah. And heck, well, I want a pair of shoes out of it, but maybe that's why I speak so highly of it. But I mean, completely, <laughs> like, you want to get a kid excited for the school day? Yeah. Invite them to school, go exercise, and then go into classroom. Yeah. I'm reading a book now uh, called Spark. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, you should get into it. It's yeah. it's interesting. I mean, it's a lot of the, it, you know, it's it's definitely just kind of reverberating what everyone's talking about right now with psychology and exercise and, um, you know, all of these like mood disorders people are being diagnosed with and how that correlates so much with 
um, inactivity and diet and all this stuff, right? And, and especially in school where we have these like really high instances of schools taking away programs like physical education to bolster the time needed to study for these like standardized tests. Oh, exactly. Uh, and the school gets rewarded by having higher standardized test scores. Yeah, exactly. But the kids aren't learning in the first place. Right. And so the there's all these programs across the, school, the country yeah. that get zero time. Uh-huh. And there are companies, or there are these, not, not companies, there are organizations fixed on getting kids doing high intensity work and doing high intensity aerobic work before school or before these, you know, they put them in these classes before they're going to have like a heavy academic load and basing their workout programs off of their academic load and being like, okay, well, you have these tests at this time. So we're going to, you know, we're going to program out your aerobic exercise to be like kind of heavy on those days and really push you towards those goals. And Hmm. it's kind of amazing what they can do with that and, and the success rate they're having in, uh, in you know more affluent areas and also in lower income areas like it's, it's across the board it's not anywhere in particular it's not something you just implement at like a rich kid school you know sure um so i just man where was that when i, <laughs> yeah, was, no I kidding. was in school exactly you know? um well here's some more of that here's some more bikes here's some more of exercise because yeah. gosh darn it america needs it Keep um, kids out there all right getting back to cycling a little bit Cyclocross has all sorts of rules, right? Mm. We got, I, I imagine they subscribe to the three to one rule that, that UCI road racing subscribes to. Um, you have the tire width rule. Mm-hmm. Um, only recently were disc brakes allowed. Mm-hmm. So sort of a broad brush question related to all facets of cycling because gravel is taking off, gravel is booming. Mountain biking is super hip once again. Mm-hmm. Cyclocross is a very short, acute season, but it is... It's definitely, yeah. I mean, especially in Europe, catching the attention of of fans and racers all over the continent. Uh, it's definitely interesting here in America. Mm-hmm. So the question is like, how how does cyclocross develop under the the umbrella mm. that is the UCI? How do we keep it interesting, fun? How do we develop it longer, bigger seasons? How do you? I mean, you can't race it in the Olympics. What do you? What do you see as? Future of cyclocross, or is the status quo? Because it's a pretty friggin' cool thing as is. You mean in the U.S. or in uh, general? Good question. I suppose a little bit of both. Um, obviously, you go overseas, and well, I haven't witnessed a cyclocross race overseas, but it's—I imagine it's twice as big as it looks on a computer screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here in America, it's booming, albeit smaller. It's. I don't know. You. Yeah. I Do you see know. what I'm trying to ask here? In yeah, a way, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't totally. even know what I'm trying to ask here. It's a, it's a broad question, and it's. I, I think it would be better broken down into like uh, categories. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but I, I think that. Bear in mind, you're allowed to be like, "Yo, I yeah. gotta go start warming up for my race." Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna drink one of your beers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so you couldn't get bigger in Belgium. I mean, that's the reality. It's like when you say overseas, you really mean Belgium when it comes to cyclocross. Mm-hmm. Even just switching over to like the Netherlands or France, they touch each other. Yep. And they are nowhere near the same. Ah. Like not even close. Okay. Um, I mean, where Zolder in Belgium is about uh, 30. 40 minutes from Limburg where we had uh, their two two world championships at Zolder and in Limburg and uh, at Valkenburg last year. Uh-huh. And I think it was like uh, 
25 or 30,000 people at, uh, at Valkenburg compared to the 70,000 people that were in Zolder. Great Scott. 40-minute drive away. That's bonkers. Pretty unreal. Yeah. Um, so, Are they selling tickets? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're okay. like 12 bucks a ticket or something. I told you sure. Ticket. Um, That's profit right there. So it's, it's something. Um, and I, I actually know that I think some of the ticket sales and some of the TV stuff is going down right now. Uh, I think we've had such a prevalence of um, kind of show stealing riders in the last couple of years mm -hmm. uh, with the kids coming in and just like beating the crap out of everyone where it used to be a lot of battles. Mm -hmm. Now the best battles that are going on are for third. Yeah. To be real honest. Um, they need to put screen. Be like, here is the guy doing a time trial. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. the rest of the race. Here's the guy chasing him. And then here's the race. Uh-huh. Uh, which is good and bad. I mean, that's totally. Yeah. Um, and in the US, it's a it's a it's a much different story. We're we're kind of we don't have a series this year. Um we going did, into 2019. Yeah, and we did last year, which was the first time in a little while since the USGP. And um we kind of looked at you know, is it growing? Are there more professionals? Are there more amateurs? And I think from a participation level, it's certainly gone up in a big way. But um, I think last year was pretty dismal as far as like uh, as spectators are concerned. I mean, it was just every race we went to it was like, where are all the people? I thought this would be kind of cool. And, um, you know, it's not to say that the promoters aren't doing their jobs or that... Uh, I don't know. The scenes aren't big. It's just we're not getting the crowds that we used to have at the USGP and stuff. Um, Is it sort of that same, when I was talking about the domestic road scene, it's an ebb and flow and there are years it hits and there are years that it's quiet? I think so. I think, I, I hope so. I hope that it's just kind of years that they, there's some downtime there. Um, because it's not that the racing isn't exciting. We have some really good racers going on and we have some like, like one person didn't win all the races last year. Uh -huh. you know, there was a there was a lot. I mean, I won my second national title, but I certainly didn't win every race. You know, it wasn't uh, uh -huh. it wasn't one man show. Uh, well, you chose a really good one to win there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna pick one, <laughs> <laughs> might as well get that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if we look at the calendar this year, we changed the nationals to December to try to keep a little bit more of the racing exciting. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. I uh -huh. don't know. I'm waiting to see. I really thought we were going to have a second year of a season, but uh, but we didn't. So, yeah. Fair. Um, okay, now that we see your competitors warming up, we're going to do boom, boom, boom. Yeah. The Instagram story questions. Okay. Okay. This comes from one Ryan Kelly. I don't, I don't know if you oh, know. Um, oh, boy. What's your take on Florida? Is it as interesting as the, as the jokes make it sound or would you really like to return i wouldn't really like to return mm -hmm. it is as interesting as the twitter would tell you although in its defense in one interview i did with you you said that you'd like to bring a cyclocross race to pensacola absolutely okay I, I think there's actually a really really good uh well not only is there a good vibe there but i think there's actually a really good course there sure that i think would rival any in the u.s huge fast crit scene down in florida i mean all yep. i got to do is like Make those turns on grass. Yeah. Uh, how much vinyl is too much vinyl? Uh, that's not a question. Okay. <laughs> favorite interval. What is your bread and butter workout? Let's just keep it to the beginning. What's your favorite interval? And feel free to keep it vague. You got to keep cards close to the chest. Yeah, five minutes. 
Five minute intervals. Those are the best. Yeah, love them. 2020? Question mark. These are consecutive questions. 2020? It's been a goal. I don't know how real it is. Oh, I thought it was a question about your vision. No. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 Olympics. Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, man. I'd love to try. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. But I don't know that it's going to be a reality. We, we're only going to get one spot, likely. Yep. Two, maybe. Okay. Um, and I really have to qualify next year. So I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm putting my, you know, I'm definitely. Is there an automatic up. bid with the national title? Okay. Well, I imagine that would still be a pretty good uh, arm in the air if you're the rate at which you're you're ascending mountain biking. That's it's all points based. Points schmoints. Just win that jersey. <laughs> um, yep. We just asked that. We just asked that. Here's a good one. Come on, guys. Some original questions, please. Do you think the Froome controversy could have been dealt with in a better way? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on there, man. I'm out. Yeah. The tour <laughs> ended today. Do you know who won today's stage? Uh, today's stage? Today's stage. No, I have no idea. I'm very, well, actually, I called the podium. I got two out of three, right? Uh, Alexander Kristoff for the win, which I'm pleased with because that dude suffered for the past three weeks and he was exceptionally nice to me when I was kindly asked to leave the tour. Um, Kristoff, you're a good man. Congrats on that win. (laughs) Uh, goofy question. Hey, I'm moving to Connecticut. Is the cyclocross scene good there? Connecticut? Yeah. Cyclocross? Yeah. Yeah, get with it. It's going to be awesome. Get with it. It's going to be off the hook. <laughs> um, and very important, I often give this point of uh, uh, tips to up-and-coming cyclists. What is your preferred SPF, and do you believe in reapplying? Oh, yeah. I'm a big <laughs> reapplier. Um, I grab whatever's closest to me, uh-huh. uh, usually above 30 if I can do it. Do you reapply? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot. Yeah. Well... I'm with you. Uh, I, I kids will ask me all the time, "Hey, give me a tip." I'm getting into to bike racing. I'm like, get sunscreen. Yeah, You're gonna spend a lot of time in the sun. Yeah, get sunscreen and uh, don't worry about the lower part of your legs because it's not really a thing. Well, yeah. Do you put it on? <laughs> you put it up here on the the. Yeah, all I thigh? do is I just like spray it on the thigh, and that's uh-huh. kind of it. Okay. Yeah. Likewise, you see some yeah. very leathered upper thighs yeah. over there in Europe. Yeah. Oh, real tip. Yeah. When you put sunscreen on put it on before you put your jersey on and put it all over your back because you get done and you're like, oh, why do I, why am I still sunburned? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because you wanted a ventilated jersey, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. You heard it here first, kids. Sunscreen your back yeah. and then put a jersey on. Yeah. I have this like permanent C yeah. on my lower back. Cannondale C? Yeah, it's Cannondale C. Oh, that is a so, riot. I don't know if you'd call that commitment or not, but. C for commitment. Sponsor placement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a new tattoo, Steven? No. Yes, it's my Canada Tramp Stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Canada Tramp Stamp. All right. Well, okay. Uh, the offer's on the table. If you want a Bissell Brothers beer, I know where to get it. But if you want to go pedal your bike, I just bike want really you fast, to get in your kit and start warming up. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I'll do it if you do it. The race? Yeah. I, I think you're already doing it. I think you'll do it if I don't do it. All right. Enough of this mumbo jumbo. <laughs> we'll see what actually happens. Stephen Hyde, thank you very much for taking the time. Absolutely. Best of luck today. Thank you. Bye-bye.